0: So, we're talking about taking a breath and quieting your soul. We're spending nearly two months talking about this because it's really that important. It's the basis, it's the foundation of being able to do other things in our lives. It's hard to be able to do anything else, it's hard to be able to focus on anything else when our hearts and our minds and our souls are filled with chaos. We know that there's a lot of chaos going on in the world. We can all talk about things that have been thrown at us this week, changes that happened that we weren't expecting. And somehow we need to find a way to, to um, rely on God's strength To get through these times that we have, that we all have, that just come to us all the time. There's just so many things that can rob us of our peace. I don't know what it is in your life today. I don't know if it's, you know, maybe it's a a problem with one of your kids. Maybe it's a problem at work. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Um, I don't know what it is. But there's so many things that just surround us and threaten to take that away. And I know that one of the things that can do that for us is this idea that we are meant, that we are supposed to, that it is praiseworthy, that it is good for us to be able to handle everything on our own. Somehow there is this cultural idea that we are meant to be able to do all things by ourselves. And it really came to me when I was reading something on Facebook the other day, and it, it was a mom's group. And there was this mom that posted, and it was, it was a cry, really. I could just hear it in her words, and this is what she wrote. She said, Why are mothers not allowed to express anything but joy? Why are we not allowed to feel overwhelmed, exhausted, frustrated, or even broken? Why? Why can't we admit our weaknesses? It's a great question, right? Because there's this cultural thing that's going on that says, you know, keep those things to yourself. You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to put on this, this front. Everybody's supposed to look at you and say, look how, look how all together they are. And I'm sorry, but I think most of us are not all together as much as we'd like to believe we are. We all have things that are going on in our lives. And just as this poor woman did, you know, why do I have to give this idea to the world that I am completely self-sufficient? We read in Philippians 4.13, the scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So it's not saying I can do all things on my own. I can do all things by myself. I can do all things on my own strength. No, it's not what it's saying. Scripture is telling us, I can do all things, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, not through myself. Amen, right? Absolutely, amen. And we tend to go off on the wrong track when we start to think that it is desirable to do it on our own strength. Somehow we end up going off on the wrong wrong track, and we start to believe that it's really in our own power, to have this good life, it's in our own power to build this life and to to be strong. And it's really not; it's not in our own power. It's in His power. And so, when I think about that, I have this concept I like to think about this this world that we kind of uh, start to put together in our own minds. And you know, maybe you guys have been there at some point or know somebody who has. But I like to call it the "when then" world. And I think we can all kind of get caught up in that. You know, it sounds like. You know, when I graduate college, then I will be happy. When I get a spouse, then my life will be complete. When I have children, and then later on, when my children grow up and move away, then my life will start. When I make X amount of money, whatever it happens to be for you, we get caught in these thoughts. When this happens, when I can make this happen, then, then life will be good. Then I will have arrived." So I had a friend in college that was very much like this. And, and for this person, it sounded like, you know, when I get, you know, the fancy new stereo. You know, this was way back in the 80s. So there wasn't, uh, you know, we didn't have everything on our phone, right? We had these great stereos and these great big speakers. And so it was always when I get the next best thing, then, then I'm going to know that, you know, I'm doing well or um, when I get a job that I'm, or when I can be working for myself, when I can get um, a great car, then I know that I will have made it. And for some reason, this person, I just it just reminds me so many years later, when I can get a leather couch, I don't know what it was about a leather couch, but somehow Getting a leather couch was this, this point in time where this person was going to say, I've made it. I can get a leather couch in my house. And so I ran into this person some years after college, and, and this person had achieved those things, right? This person was financially secure. This person had started a company with somebody else and was doing great. This person had a you know cute little red Mustang convertible, and this person had the leather couch that they had wanted but yet they still weren't feeling like they had arrived. You know, all these things that they thought they could make happen in their lives, and at that point when those happened, when those happened, then then they would have been there. But there was always something missing. There was always something more. And at this point for this person it was, you know, when I you know get a job that makes more money, when I can move into a bigger house, when I can be in a better neighborhood, then then I can say that I've made it. But you never really get to that point, right? When you're thinking it's within your own power, that it's the things you do that equal success in your life, when it's the things that you do that get you to a point where you can say you've made it. But there's always something missing. We never quite get there. And it's because that our success is really not based on only the things that we can do for ourselves. Because we all know we can have so much. We can get to that point where we've had those things we've wished for. You know, we can get married. We can have the kids. We can have the grandkids. And we realize that that's, is that all there is? There's, there's something missing. There's still something more that we need. And, and it's not our own power that gets us to this point where we're happy and successful because we end up feeling like there's this hole, There's this emptiness that we have that we simply cannot fill on our own power. We simply cannot fill it in our own strength alone. And so there is always something missing. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what is the source of true strength? What is the source of true success? How do we find that? How do we access that? So that we're not at a point where we feel that there's something missing in our lives. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather together today, we just ask that you open our minds and our hearts and our souls to just receive your message. I pray that my words would be pleasing to you and that your message would come through in the things that I'm saying this morning. Just be with us. Lend your wisdom to us. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. So our scripture today, although I I quoted the uh, Philippians passage, We're really going to be reading from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the letter of Paul to the Corinthians. So just to get a little bit of context, Corinth was a seaport town, and as a seaport town, it was very wealthy. Uh, Dylan and I, my son Dylan and I started this, this habit of doing COVID adventures when we were all in quarantine. And, you know, we would grab a coffee and we would go in the car and we would just drive around. And one of our favorite places to go was um, the old shipbuilders district in Duxbury. And if you go there, you know, you see these beautiful grand houses that are overlooking the water. And, you know, Corinth was like that. It was a very wealthy, well-to-do city. Because it was a seaport town, there was a center of commerce. There was a lot of international trade. It was multicultural. The people there had status. They had wealth. They had access to any experience and any indulgence that they could possibly want. But there was still something missing. They were caught up in all these worldly things All the stuff that the world had provided for them, they were listening to the wrong people, they were being led astray, and they were drawn away from the fact that the real source of strength and success was from God. And so we remember that our strength doesn't come from ourselves; it comes from Christ. And so I'm going to read right now 2 Corinthians 12. Um, I read from the English Standard Version, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. So if you've got a version on your phone that you'd like to follow along, Paul writes, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except for my weaknesses. Though if I should boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the scripture for this morning. Paul writing to this church in Corinth. And we remember that this church had everything they thought they could possibly need to be successful. But in the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. So in though, although these people in Corinth and in this church in Corinth had all these worldly material things about them, all these experiences they could have, you know, all these indulgences, they had everything. There was still something missing. They still had not grown in their faith. The strength of their faith had not gone anywhere than when they were from first early Christians. There were false prophets within the church, people that were were drawing people away. And it's funny, Paul actually refers to them as super apostles. Not my words; it's actually in the scripture. Super apostles, kind of tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic. But there were these people that were going around and preaching and and you know drawing these people away, and they were boasting and they were talking. But all the amazing things they could do and all the amazing things they had seen and, and people were, were foolishly, Paul says, foolishly following them and being drawn away f- uh, from God by these people. And it's, it's interesting, these people were, were actually even accusing Paul of not being a real apostle because he didn't do those things. They were saying that, you know, his letters are great, his letters sound wonderful, but when we see him in person, he's nothing. He's weak. He can't be a real apostle. He doesn't talk about all these wonderful things that he has done, can do, has seen, will see. He doesn't talk about it. So he can't possibly be a real apostle. And these people were being drawn away by these people who were putting on a big show. So that's not very different from our own lives, right? We are constantly bombarded by you know, people's success stories. You know, whether we listen to podcasts or, or we just look around us, maybe in our own friend groups or work groups or, you know, Instagram's a great place to, to feel like your house couldn't possibly be as clean or as neat as everybody else in the world. Because we see all these bests and we see all these people, you know, talking and boasting about how wonderful their life is and how together they are. But here's the thing. None of us are really as all together as we look like from the outside, right? We might look all together in an Instagram picture, but that's a a little piece of what's going on in our world. So that's not where really the importance is. That's not where the true success comes from. It's really not about what we do for ourselves and what we build for ourselves. And Paul does talk about some of the things that he's done and seen and accomplished. You know, back in chapter 11, he talks about a whole bunch of different things. But he also acknowledges That none of it has eternal significance. None of it really matters. It was funny, you know, you saw Austin come up here getting his uh, award today. And before before we started service, the 1030 service, I was talking to him out front. And I said, ah, I said, you're here to receive your award. And he said to me, you know, very profoundly, he said, no. He said, I'm here to receive Christ first. And then my award, because the award doesn't really have any eternal significance. I'm like, yeah, touche, you're absolutely right. You know, what is it that has eternal significance? What is it that builds our lives and builds our success? It's not in the awards that we get. It's not in the things we can boast about personally in our own power. It's about Jesus. And so this letter gives us some ideas, gives us some pointers, gives us some direction as to where we're going to find true strength and true success. And so we start right in the first verse by understanding I can't. I can't do it. Verse 1 says, I must go on boasting, though as though there is nothing to be gained by it. There is nothing to be gained by the things I'm telling you I've done, seen, experienced. I can't do it in my own strength. It's not about me. And Paul even talks about himself in the third person. He says, I know this guy. I know this guy. He's referring to himself but he doesn't want to point the spotlight to him because he knows that's not what's important. He doesn't want people looking to him. He wants people looking to God. And so he speaks in the third person. I know this guy who had all these experiences. And there's so much power in the ability to be humble and in the ability to be able to admit our own weaknesses. It's completely countercultural. Nobody wants to start, you know, stand out there and tell people, these are the things I can't do. These are the things I struggle with. These are the places where I just can't handle things on my own. It's just totally countercultural. And so we hold on to this illusion in our lives. Things like, I can battle this illness by myself. I don't need any help. right? I can battle this addiction alone. I don't need to go to a meeting. I don't need a sponsor. I can do it by myself. I'm strong. I can... You know, whatever it happens to be in your life. You know, I can raise these children by myself. I don't need a village to help me. I can fight this loneliness. I don't need somebody else in my life. I don't need anything else. I'm, I, can, I can be self-sufficient all by myself. You know, I can beat it. I can do it. I can handle it. I can build it. Whatever it happens to be, I can do it by myself because I'm strong and I'm wonderful and I'm great. And look at me. Look at all that I can do by myself. That is not the point, and the idea that it gives me in my mind when I think about these things is this idea of struggling, this idea of trying to walk against the stream, this idea of constantly just battling and fighting in order to prove to people that we can do it all by ourselves, and the world is going to look at you and say, you know, that person's never going to manage it. That person's never going to battle that addiction. That person's never going to be able to get through the loneliness. And it's true, we won't be able to do it by ourselves. We're not going to do a good job of that because there will still be something missing. As long as we're relying on our own strength and our own power to do these things, there is always going to be something missing and we're always going to be struggling. So if you're reading the book, the Inhale Exhale book, um, we know that um, the scriptures kind of go back and forth. The scriptures that are talked about in the book that we talk about here. And for today, this scripture is talked about on day 34, this whole idea of where does your strength come from, day 34. And in that book, there is a story on day 34 that illustrates this, and it's a story of Scott Hamilton. He's a four-time world champion figure skater. He won the Olympic gold medal. And he is a person of God. He is a strong Christian. He is a man of God. And I read a little bit more about him, listened to some of his TED Talks who are amazing. Um, And he was adopted as a young child. He suffered an illness when he was little. And then he was diagnosed with cancer back in 1997. And then I think three more times, he beat it and he got it again. And he beat it and he got it again. And and his TED Talks are amazing because he talks about these struggles and he talks about the way that he learned from his struggles, and he embraced his struggles. And there's a picture of him holding a sign that says, say I won't cure cancer. So in the, uh, you know, the book is written by Mercy Me, so there's, there's songs that go along with it. And I was watching the, the official video for the song Inhale, Exhale yesterday. And um, there's a picture of the Scott Hamilton picture is in there, and he's holding a sign. And it says, say I won't cure cancer. So is that him admitting defeat? Is that him saying, I can't do it? It's not. He's acknowledging that he knows he can't do it by himself, but he knows who can. He knows who he serves, and he knows whose strength is behind him, and he knows that through God, he can do anything. I was thinking about this as we were listening to our song today, the the second one about dry bones rattling. It's one of my very favorite ones, It's saying, you know, say, say Saturday is the end. Try to tell me that Saturday is through. Try to tell me that Christ isn't coming back. Try to tell me that. I know who I serve. I know that there is a God in whose strength all these things can happen. And so Scott Hamilton's strength doesn't come from his own efforts and what he can do. His strength comes from the fact that he relies on God. Ever hear the saying, God doesn't give us more than we can handle? I don't know if you hate that saying as much as I do. Hate's a strong word, but I'm going to use, I'm seeing heads nodding, so I'm going to use that word. I can't stand it when I see that. Because we all know, my goodness, God gives me more than I can handle all the time. And I am sure that that is true for other people who are sitting in here today. It is not fair to say God won't give us more than we can handle. Because He does. Exactly. God isn't going to give us more than we can handle without his strength. God wants us to understand that we can handle anything that comes our way in his strength. It's not about the things that we can do. So we need to understand that the only way we can get through things, the only way we can get through the things that God hands us is through him. We can't get through things on our own. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength not through ourselves. That's where our true success comes from. And so we acknowledge that we can't, but then we understand the promise of Scripture that says Christ can. I can't, Christ can. Verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So I did a little word study. I looked at the word sufficient. What does sufficient mean in this context? And to me, this idea of sufficient is like just enough. You get just enough to get by. But in this, that's not what sufficient means. Sufficient means full. Has the idea of, you know, being at a dinner table and eating as much as you want. You know, not to excess, but being full, being satisfied, being sufficient. God's grace is all you need to be completely filled up. God's grace is sufficient. Now, Paul had many strengths. We can read about them in the scriptures. He went through amazing things and still spread the gospel, still started churches. He was persecuted. He was robbed. He was beaten up. He was shipwrecked more than once. He was thrown in prison. So that's not the picture of a weak man. He still started churches. He still gave us scripture. He still gave us these letters. He was not a weak man. But he did have one weakness. So the scripture today tells us that he had a thorn in his side. Verse 7 says So, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. So, he had this thorn that was a weakness. We don't know exactly what it was. There's nothing in the scripture that really gives us a full description of what that was. There's, there's a lot of people who look at scripture and come up with things that they think it might be. You know, it could have been his eyesight was, was going. It could have been that he had malaria or some other sickness. Doesn't really matter. He had this weakness, and he prayed for God to take it away. He prayed that God would take it from him. And that's, you know, we do that. We do that with our own weaknesses. We think that when we have a weakness, there's something wrong with us, something that we need to get taken away. And that's, that's normal to do that. I mean, even Jesus did that when he was praying in the garden. He prayed to God, take this cup from me if it is your will. So we think sometimes for ourselves that when we have these weaknesses, it's something that's bad or wrong or, or terrible, something that needs to get taken away. But, you know, here's the secret our weaknesses are not always what they appear to be. You know, our perception is just that. It's just our perception. It's not always reality because what happens in reality is that those things that are problems in our lives, those things that are weaknesses, those things that we struggle through can be the very thing that God uses. When we put that back into God's hands, God can use those things. It's a movie, the movie Apollo 13, might be familiar with it, or at least familiar with the story, talks about the 1970 lunar mission. And as they were up in space, there was an oxygen tank that blew up, and they had to abort the mission, they had to bring the people back to Earth safely. And so in the movie, there's this scene where they're all in this control room, or they're they're on this drawing board, and they're trying to figure out how are they going to do this. And they say, you know, you can only give them 45 hours of oxygen, well that only gets them halfway back, that's not acceptable, You know, failure is not an option here. And so everybody is talking and they're trying to figure out I think we should do this, I think we should do that. Um, and so they're all trying to go their own direction and, and portray what they think is the right thing to do. And at one point there is a man in there that says this will be the worst disaster NASA has ever experienced. And Ed Harris replies, with all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our greatest hour. So is it a disaster? Or is it the opportunity to be your greatest hour? And so in this circumstance, these people had to put aside everything that they believed and everything that they were trying to, you know, their own, their own thoughts that they were trying to portray, they had to put all that aside and they had to work together. They had to be a team and they had to figure out new ways to do things and they were successful in that because they knew it wasn't individual, they knew it wasn't personal, they knew it wasn't their own power, and they knew it didn't have to be a disaster. Ended up being the finest hour. I read this uh, quote from Forbes magazine, and Forbes magazine calls it one of the best examples of crisis management and teamwork under extreme pressure in all of history. Biggest disaster? finest hour and there's so many examples in the world of people who take difficulties people who take tragedies people who take their weaknesses and do something good with it ways that they can put it back to god and god can do great things through the the disasters they can turn those disasters into finest hours and as i was thinking about this the first thing that really came to my mind was mad mothers against driving drunk and, you know, this was a tragedy back in 1980. There was a woman, her name was Candace Leitner, and her young daughter was killed by a drunk driver. And instead of that being a disaster, which it surely was, she used that pain and she started this, this mad organization that supports other people who have gone through that and, and who works towards trying to change laws so that this doesn't happen And so we recognize that sometimes our greatest ministries can be in our greatest pain because it's not about our own power. It's not about our own strength. When we are weak and we can hand everything over to God and understand that Christ can do the things that we can't do, God can take those things and he can do something with them. It's not just about our perception of it being a disaster. And so once we understand that, you know, I can't, Christ can, then we need to let go and we need to say, I'll let him. I will let him take care of it. Let go and let God. And that is not an easy thing for any of us to do. Nobody really wants to to let go of that control. And I don't really know why. We're sitting here in the river and we're trying to struggle upstream, but we don't want to let go of it. But that's what we have to do, right? We have to let go and we have to let God. Verse 10 says, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. So I was looking at the word content. And in this context, the word content doesn't mean like it's just okay or I can get by with it. The word for content here in this context means well-pleased, means to take delight in. And so what Paul is saying is not just You know, all right, I can handle these things. He's saying I'm delighting in these things. He's saying I take pleasure in these weaknesses and these hardships because it is then that I can see the true strength of God working in me and working through me. So he doesn't just tolerate them. He takes delight in them. And he says, I don't want to boast about anything other than my weaknesses because he doesn't want people to be looking at him he doesn't want a people to be looking at him and saying, Look how great this guy is. Look at all these things he was able to do. He's going to boast in those weaknesses because that's pointing people back up to God. That's pointing people towards the true strength, uh, the true uh, source of our strength, which is God. Because when I'm strong, then when I am weak, then he is strong. I'm strong only because he is strong. And so it's about turning our life over to God and acknowledging Christ's power. So I'm gonna leave you with a story. There's a woman named Florence Chadwick. She was a long-distance swimmer. Back in 1952, she decided she wanted to swim between the coast of California and Catalina Island. It was a distance of 26 miles. I don't know if you've ever been in the ocean in California, but it's not very warm. It's rough out there, so I know. It, right, but it's I not very... I've been to Catalina Island, so I know. Exactly. <laughs> 50 degrees. So it is cold. And so she's decided she's going to swim this 26 miles. And she's got support. She's got people in boats. She's got her mother in one of the boats. And they're, they're encouraging her. And they're watching out for danger. And they're looking out for sharks and all of those things. And she's gone about 15 hours. 15 hours in 50 degree water. Certainly not a weak woman. But after 15 hours, the fog starts coming in. And You know, I'm sure you've seen the fog in California. If you're familiar with that, it's very thick and it just comes down. I love it. My son's out there. I love pictures of, you know, Malibu from up above the fog. So anyway, she's been swimming for 15 hours and the fog comes down and suddenly she starts to get nervous and she gets scared and she stops listening to the people who are there to support her. She's trying to do it all in her own strength, and she can't see very well, and her confidence is gone, and about an hour more into it, so after 16 hours she climbs into the boat, says, I can't do it, I'm done. And then she finds out she was less than a mile from the coast. She was almost there, but suddenly she tried to rely on herself and stopped thinking and and relying and listening to the people around her, and, and she just couldn't do it on her own. And so, two months later, she tried again, and the same thing happened. The fog came down, as it does in California. But this time, she listened. She didn't try to do it on her own, because we recognize that as strong as we are, and this woman was strong, she did this swim, she was successful that time, she did it two more times, she became the first woman to swim across the English Channel in both directions. She was strong. She was strong physically, mentally. She was strong emotionally to be able to do it. But there are things that we simply cannot do on our own strength alone. When we rely on our own strength, we're not going to be able to do it. As strong as we can be, we're not strong enough. We need to understand that it is not our own strength that gets us through life. It's not our own strength alone that gets us to a point where we can be successful in our lives. It is through admitting that we can't do it ourselves and allowing God to do it in us, through us, and for us. And so, as we end today, we, we're talking about Martin Luther King. And, you know, Martin Luther King was a man who showed that strength that he received from God. You know, he was a, he was a Baptist minister, he's a Baptist through and through. He went to the uh, Boston University School of Theology. And when he was 25, he was called to be a pastor in Montgomery, Alabama. And then five years later, he was asked by the Southern Christian Leadership Conference to come back to Atlanta. And there in Atlanta, he served another church with his father until he died. And he was a major part of the expansion of the civil rights movement in our country. And he understood that strength comes from God. And so I'm going to leave you with this quote. In the midst of outer dangers, I have felt an inner calm and known resources of strength that only God could give. In many instances, I have felt the power of God transforming the fatigue of despair into the buoyancy of hope. He understood that there are outer dangers. There are always outer dangers. There is outer chaos. But we can feel that inner calm, not on our own power, but like he said, the strength that only God can give. There is something to be learned by this, the strength that only God get, can give. So I leave you with this question today as we go out into the world and you know just go back into our lives. What would you do if you really believed that you could do all things through Christ who gives you strength? What would be the thing that God is calling you to do in his strength and in his power? You know, like Scott Hamilton was holding up that sign. What would be on your sign? Tell me I can't. Tell me I can't beat this addiction. Tell me I can't raise my grandchildren. Tell me I can't be a good parent. Tell me I can't. Anybody who tells you you can't doesn't understand the God that we serve, doesn't understand that nothing is impossible for him, and that we can do all things through him if we rely not on our own power, but on our own strength. So today, take a breath. Acknowledge the fact that we have weaknesses. Acknowledge the fact that we can't do it. Rest in the knowledge that Christ can. That is a promise in Scripture. I can't. Christ can. And then just exhale and let him do it. Just let go. Admit. Put your weaknesses down at his feet and allow his strength to work in and through you. And then we can enjoy that peace that we're trying so hard for that peace that comes only from him when we can trust in his strength. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your presence in our lives. I thank you for your scripture, your words. I thank you for the words of Paul that remind us that it is not in our own strength that we should be boasting. It's not in our own strength that we get to the point in our lives where we feel successful. It's not in our own strength that we make it through these difficulties that happen in our lives. There is no truth to the fact that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. Lord, we know that you give us more than we can handle, but not more than we can handle with you. Help us to rely on you. Help us to put our weaknesses at your feet and to rely solely on your strength, because we know, Lord, that When we are weak, then it is your strength that shines through. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.